the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. As we head into Hour 3, one of the keenest political minds I know walks in today, as he does uh, with us every Thursday, and he says, I want to talk a little pop culture today. And I said, is there any other kind? And I'm so happy that he said that. Sam Stone is in studio. As I say, he is with us every Thursday. He is a candidate for city council in uh, Phoenix City Council District 6. You can check out his website at samstone.vote. Help him out. Uh, learn more about him. Uh, we'll talk about his candidacy. Uh, we'll talk about everything under the sun with Sam. Welcome back, Sam. Thank you, Seth. Always also the host of your own radio show, I should say, every 3 p.m. on Saturdays. Yeah, uh, Breaking, Breaking, Breaking Battlegrounds with Chuck Warren and I. Fantastic show. If, if you haven't, download last uh, last week's episode with Larry Elder. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, we both got to hang a little bit with Larry Elder last week. And uh, what, what a great what man. A great man, but, great man, but his history, his background... What he got through in his life to yep. get to where he is, yep. inspiring, should be an inspiring story for every single American. That's the Ameri- That man is the epitome of the American dream. I agree with you. Uh, highly educated formally, not that that's the most important thing, but in addition to everything else, he has a highly formal education, Ivy League and uh, Michigan Law and all that. He's speaking about things on on across the country now uh, that – very few people are speaking about, and it's actually a huge issue. I spent a little time on this uh, yesterday, and maybe it gets us into an area you wanted to get into anyway, but um, uh, the growing problem of fatherlessness in this country and how if you want predictors for crime, if you want predictors for dropouts, if you want predictors for cyclical fatherlessness, if you want predictors for homelessness, if you want predictors for drug use, if you want predictors for all these societal ills, pretty hard to escape the issue of fatherlessness and yet we don't talk about it it's very a much. huge issue and it's actually I've, I've been talking to some folks you know obviously i think people already are starting to pick their favorites in a potential presidential yep. run yeah. um and some people obviously would prefer someone else mm-hmm. um and one of the things well why is he running well at least when he was in with with us he was talking about these specific things and i think no one else is i yeah i think there's a real room for a candidate even if they're not going to win. And I think he's got an uphill road, but I wouldn't put it past him to, to be the nominee. But even if even if you just get the opportunity to go out and make these national yeah. issues and talk about fatherhood and, and frankly, the war on fatherhood that's yeah. been waged. Um, first, it was a uh, financial war. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, you know, limitations, for instance, on, on women who are on welfare, getting married and losing all those benefits that, that makes it very hard to to bring a father into a household. It was a disincentive. Um, yeah, there's all sorts federal of disincentives dis- in the system. Federal and state disincentives. And then yeah. now there's been, I mean, really in the last 20 years, you've seen this war on beyond just fatherhood, on manhood. Boys first and then manhood and yeah. masculine, toxic masculinity. Yeah, and to- now we just change the sex. 
Right. Now we just make them girls. And and you know what struck me? I, I The reason I want to talk pop culture a little bit, I watch everything years after it comes out. Mm-hmm. Like if, if, I'm not the You're guy. A lagging indicator? Yeah, I'm a very <laughs> lagging indicator. I am not the guy who's watching whatever the hot show is this week. Okay. Um, but I've been watching Longmire on, on Netflix. So like in five years, you'll be here talking about Yellowstone. That's right. Okay, gotcha. I, I will get the, <laughs> You're about I, ready to get into Dallas. Right. Now, <laughs> okay. I, I, you know, General Hospital, I started last week, <laughs> okay. and I, I'm feeling like I might get through a few seasons that you know how it goes um but but no so i've really enjoyed it in part because it's an unabashed celebration of manhood you know this very sheriff in wyoming or yeah Montana. sheriff yeah. in wyoming mm-hmm. very old school manly Kinda sheriff looks like george w bush yeah. yeah and and the characters in it i really like because they, they seem very authentic and real um and and one thing i like is that the female actors they actresses they have in it who are in very physical roles Mm -hmm. were chosen clearly because they fit those roles so it's not some 92 pound um you know ballet dancer throwing 250 pound men around right like that's just silly but i really appreciate and i think part of the attraction to that is that it it is unabashed in its love Mm -hmm. of manhood Mm -hmm. and celebration of it and I think kids are desperate. Oh, I do too. Male kids are desperate oh. for examples of what real manhood looks in their life. And I, I think you can tie this to this thing with Andrew Tate that's been going on, um, where this guy, you know, got into a kerfluffle with Greta Thunberg and then um, apparently got arrested for sex trafficking. There, every indication this guy is a scumbag. I mean, absolute scumbag. But he's got this huge, you know, coterie of young male followers supporting him. And I really believe it's simply because these kids are so desperate for examples of manhood in their lives that when someone comes along who's an unabashed, in, in his case, actual misogynist. Yeah. But it's easy to cross that line and, and they don't understand what the line is because they've never seen an example of manhood. It's. Yeah. It's been trashed. Our schools are designed for girls. Yeah. Uh, our culture is is designed to cater to a view of manhood that is really pernicious and diminishing. Mm-hmm. Down market. Down market. The, uh, 30 or so years ago, this phrase, you go girl, came about. And they did. Yeah. And they succeeded. They are now graduating college at a rate of 60% over men. Uh, there is a crisis uh, and a war against uh, martial virtues, um, and you see it almost everywhere. Remember this faux story about um, the migrants, Haitian migrants being horsewhipped? Right. I remember Maxine Waters gave a big speech about these cowboys, these cowboys, as if cowboy became a pejorative because it had. It had. Become a pejorative. In her mind, it is. It, yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. The The – the strong male role model that we all grew up with, um, the kind of stuff you saw in uh, John Ford movies, uh, the uh, kind of thing that we thought of when we heard of, uh, uh, you know, uh, rugged uh, John, individualism. John, John Ford, I'm going a step further, Sergei Eisenstein. Sergei Eisenstein, uh, rugged individualism, to the point where influencer is now, I mean, I guess if that's, it, it's to me a pretty low level. But, yeah, you don't have boys playing cops and robbers anymore. Cowboys and Indians, I'm sure, is out. But these are these are things kids wanted to be, firemen, policemen. These are kids. These are things young boys naturally wanted to be. They played these games and there was a war on that. Do you have time? Yeah, go ahead. And then I'm going to give you a story. I mean, mean, absolutely. So I I think the the 
influ- the, there is a pernicious influence of influencers yep. in our culture. Yep. And a lot of their success is because people are desperate for role models that aren't apologetic of who they are. Yep. And so you see these influencers and they're, they're flaunting manhood or they're flaunting um, even to the point of misogyny, but they're flaunting wealth. A lot of times that's right. That's kind of part of the shtick is flaunting wealth, yeah. right? Yeah. In a society that's tried to say that wealth is bad and and that there's a negative to it, they're flaunting all the things that society would denigrate or PC society would denigrate. And it becomes very attractive. But I hate the idea that we are being manipulated uh, that anyone would be influenced or choose to be influenced by someone they have never met right. and, and understand only from a bunch of two-minute videos. Absolutely. They know nothing about this man's constitution or this woman's right. constitution. They yeah. know nothing about their philosophy. They know nothing about how they treat people. They know nothing about anything about this person except the two minutes they want you to see. Right. It, it's a show. Mm-hmm. And it's a really poor show, quite frankly. And... I think the desperation, the lack of fathers Good. means that young men across this country are seeking fathers Desperate. anywhere they can Desperation find them. has yeah. led to a desperateness. Young women yep. are seeking fathers yep. anywhere they can find them. Yep. And the, the people who will volunteer. Sometimes it becomes the state. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's one of the big dangers. And the other danger is that you fall under the influence of really awful, dangerous people. Yep. I mean, you know, one of the the, yes. the changes. That's how sex trafficking. Yeah, starts. that's how sex. I mean, that's you know, look, that's that's a lot of how sex trafficking occurs. Um, they're really taking that sort of street pimp model onto the internet and spreading it far and wide. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there's you hit on it that the pop culture is everything now, right? Yeah. You and I grew up in an era when when pop culture was defined as pop culture because everyone knew it was empty. Yes, yes, yes. That's exactly right. And and other things that you needed to invest yourself in would be far more fulfilling. Mm-hmm. That was that was your your you know mindless entertainment. Pop culture was designed as mindless entertainment. When mindless entertainment becomes your culture, boy, you're in a dangerous place. Um, let's. Take a commercial break, Sam, and come back with just a little more. I want to do some statistics on fatherlessness, and I want to give you a story that I think you're really, really going to like. And this is a theme song you will discover uh, maybe in about three years (laughs) as we go to commercial break. I'm Seth Leaps, and he's Sam Stone. We'll be right back. It's a TV show Sam will discover probably in another year or so. Let's just keep oh, up no, with no, these I bumpers, actually, shall I we? Caught, I caught up with that one about six months ago. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. All right, so he's au courant. Yeah. Sam Stone. So I'm, I'm waiting for the next new episode day or any time now. When they make a, a show about Sam Stone on um, you know Hulu or, or, or Netflix, it'll be called Sam Stone is au courant. I, can, that's, I think I have something here. Yeah. I mean, let's write it. Let's oh, make yeah, that no, show. Let's roll with it. <laughs> Sam Stone is it, my instinct. Entertainment yes. every hour. <laughs> He's a candidate for city council. We'll get to some uh, actually other uh, policy issues, including uh, local as well as national. But I want to stick with something he was talking about with regard to the kinds of speeches Larry Elder is giving on fatherhood and fatherlessness and that kind of thing. 
Uh, so let me just give you some statistics. I was reading these yesterday. 75% of all inmates grow up without a father. 63% of all youth suicides come from fatherless homes. So you're five times more likely to commit suicide if you don't have a dad. 32 more, 32 times more likely to be homeless if you don't have a, do, a dad. 20 times more likely to have a behavioral disorder. 14 times more likely to rape a woman if you don't have a dad, 71% of all high school dropouts, fatherless. Uh, these are – this. Uh, no one's talking about it. The denigration, destruction, and frankly the, the policies that have driven nuclear families apart mm-hmm. are the single greatest error we have ever made in this country. If you look at in totality the outcomes from that, mm-hmm. the change that has happened – Look in the 1950s and 60s in in inner city black America where there were very high rates of marriage mm-hmm. and very high rates of stable households. The economic trajectory of African Americans in that period was enormous. Right. I mean, they were just skyrocketing right. up the ladder. That's right. And then you get to the great society, the, the late 70s and the 80s. The great society's impact has extended throughout most of America and combined with obviously the crack cocaine epidemic. Um, you see the destruction yep. of inner cities across this country as the right. families fall apart. Yep. Uh, one of the things you did see, though, was and, and really the, this is where it ties to the great society, right? The areas of the country that were least affected Mm. were the rural communities where significant systems of government support largely don't exist, where people were were still had to be self-reliant. So there were very high levels of marriage and stable families in rural communities. And that's really – And grandmas living at home and churches. Right. Yeah. The strength strength of those communities has carried America for a long time. But now the the nationalization of these programs has reached such a level that it is affecting every community. And that's where you saw in the last 15, 20 years the breakdown in a lot of rural communities starting to have these same ills creep into them. You and I grew up in a religious tradition um, uh, wherein a book of the Talmud instructs where there are no men, be a man. If you go to the more reformed versions of that now, they have rewritten it. Really? As you can imagine. I did. I I'm not be a su- person. I'm not surprised now that yeah. you say that. Yeah. But yeah. be a person is a very it's, different it's a message. Different message. It's yeah. a different message. Uh, do you have time for one little story? I think oh, the yeah. audience. Uh, I think the audience will like it. Kruger National Park is South Africa's largest conservation area. Thirty years ago, when it had many more elephants than the park could sustain, researchers decided to kill off some of the adults and relocate some of the easily transportable children. These younger elephants were eventually resettled in Pilanisburg National Park. All seemed well until a few years later, Pilanisburg began to experience the unexplained slaughter of its white rhinos. Although the obvious explanation would be poachers, this turned out not to be the case. When the park rangers set up hidden video cameras, they discovered that young, hyper-aggressive bull elephants were harassing the rhinos, chasing them over long distances, finally goring them to death with their tusks. This was puzzling because elephants are generally docile creatures and rarely, if ever, attack other animals. But it turned out that these orphaned elephants had developed into a band of marauding teenagers led by gang leaders. Normally, 
Older bull elephants function as a civilizing presence to keep the young males in line. But these transplanted elephants, according to Gus Van Dyke, the Palanisburg field ecologist, quote, had no role model and no idea of what appropriate elephant behavior was. The solution was to transport to Palanisburg some older, mature bulls, creating, in the words of CBS correspondent Bob Simon, the biggest big brother program in the world. Within weeks, weeks, discipline was established and the younger elephants began to follow the older bull elephants around, imitating them and exhibiting good behavior and even seeming to enjoy the presence of their elder role models and the rhinos stopped getting gored. That's an amazing story. Seth. Not a great but, story. By but, the way, uh, from The Broken Hearth, uh, a book I did with Bill Bennett about well, it. And I got to tell you, um, I, I think we dismiss our mammalhood too yep. often. Yep. The primal nature. Yep. Of of the human animal, yep. far too often. Yep. I, that's an amazing story, and great? it's great. As you were telling me that, I was thinking back to an incident that I had. I think I was eighteen or nineteen years old, and we were at a pool hall with some friends. And one of my friends, who's, who's a very strong guy, you know, six over six foot, at that time was a football player, very muscle, you know, muscled up, um, got out of hand, got out of line. Right. And was behaving very inappropriately in in several regards and bullying a lot of people with his physical presence. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I just remember this this guy at the next table, an old, you know, silverback. Silver hair, silver facial hair, turn around and grab him. And the sheer power of that older man in that moment yep. totally overwhelmed him and brought him to his senses. My friend brought him to his senses and you could really see that all of a sudden, I mean, he, he was the, the only king. needed to be done once. I bet yeah, he was the king of the Savannah. Mm-hmm. And then this guy turns on him and, and it established order in much the same way you're talking about with those elephants. I could really, I could picture that moment yeah. in my mind. Yeah. And I got to tell you, while a lot of people would look at that as, as an, an, a bad thing today. Yeah. You know, some stranger putting their hands on somebody's 18, 19 year old son. I got to tell you, I, I'm still friends with the guy um, on my end. He talks about that incident as one of the best learning yeah. incidents of his life because he's like, man, I thought I was, I was King swing, you know, Tarzan of the jungle. Yep. And this guy, he had that old man muscle. Yep. Yep. And he put me in my place. Yep. And I tell you, that's, you know, obviously I'm not advocating right. for violence. Right. I'm not advocating. We want the ethic behind what want that the old ethic. man was doing. And we want the young men to appreciate the right. old man. And, and in retrospect, he certainly did. And I thank that guy for turning my friend into a much better friend. Yeah, in right. Sense. May have saved some lives. I was just thinking as you were talking and we'll go to break, come back on some other news that I know we have to get to. Um this is this is where we should live, though, as a society on this stuff. This is the most important stuff. This is the durable stuff, as I like to say. It's a lot um, more significant than the politics. Absolutely, of the day. absolutely. Um, school shootings, school violence. Yep. There are two things present: absentee fathers and drugs. That's it. It's universal. It's universal. Yep. Sam Stone and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Sam Stone is my guest. Check him out at samstone.vote. Just a fertile 
mind alive on so many fronts. Candidate for city council. Vote for him in March, please. He has my full support. He has Sal DeCicio's support. He has a broad swath of support in this community and uh, well-earned and well-deserved. Read his interview in the um, – man, that was a great interview you did. Was it in the Awatuki News? Awatuki Foothills oh News, yeah. Oh, my gosh. You want to see a guy that knows of what he speaks, go to the Awatuki Foothill News and read Sam Stone's interview with I, him. I can't t- tell you how much fun I had with that. So Paul Mariniak, who's the editor and, and chief writer for the Awatuki Foothills News, I've, I've dealt with. And Paul is an old-school journalist. He's rough on everybody. Yeah. And that, that actually had some hidden trapdoor questions, specifically for me. Yeah. Um, the ones at the end about the HOA, yeah. um, because you have a bunch of HOAs that always want to run to government, have government solve their inter-HOA fights, yeah. and I, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> um, do not. I'll tell everyone in politics. Do not give up that. <laughs> yeah, don't go there. Yeah. Just don't do it. Yeah. Listen, you got to just be like, listen, folks, you have an HOA. You fight it out, and right. then you come to us after you've made the decision of what you want. That's great. We'll help you at that point. But until then, there should be a non-delegation clause yeah. to HOA. Yeah. No, this is yeah. this is literally like ins- a politician inserting themselves in an inter-HOA fight is basically like your next door neighbor coming over to intervene in your kitchen ha- argument with right. your family. Yeah. So and, and don't do it. No winners. Um, but my opponent was asked a bunch of questions like about Desert Foothills Park, and and his response was, I, I died laughing because he's like, Oh, I'll talk to the Parks Department, see when the completion date for that is. I'm like. Okay, Kevin. His name is Kevin Robinson. He's a former uh, police chief who was actually demoted at the end of his career. Um, But um, he doesn't realize it's been 10 years that there's no construction going on, like that the city just abandoned that park midway through. I mean, that's a pretty big deal in Ahwatukee. Everyone knows it. Everyone knows it. And and he was totally unaware of that. But then this is the guy in the Arizona Republic who said he was running because the mayor asked him to. Yeah, that's it. That's That's it. it. How many people do you know that come up to you and grab you by the lapels and say, man, I loved your interview in the Awatuki Foothill News? Well, you're the first. All so right. Far. All right. All right. If you see Sam Stone, grab him by the lapels and tell him. My, my, the, the first part of it, I was laughing because the first part of it, he's got all these like professional associations he's a, part of. It's a good interview, Sam. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it, you want to understand what serious public policy is and why Sam knows it. Read that. Hard to deliver, by the way, in about 75 words an answer. Was it? Yeah, yeah, I know. It was really good. Um, speaking of government, speaking of government interference where it doesn't belong, talk to us about Ooh. Matt Taibbi. Yeah, so we, we got, I think it was installment like 14 of the Twitter that files right. today. Matt Taibbi dropped them. It's about the Russiagate, um, you know, Russian bot conspiracy, Russiagate, all this stuff. And I got to tell you, this one is, I mean, it, in many respects, it's, it, it's obviously a continuation of everything that's been coming out that we've learned. But this one was amazing because on this one, Twitter's staff, um, including uh, uh, Yoel Roth and a bunch of people who are hardcore lefty and, and have been responsible for a lot of the suppression of conservative views and things like that, were even telling, you know, Adam Schiff and all these guys, they're like, this is not real. Yep. There's no Russian bot influence in 2016. There's no, they're not driving um, the, you know, the Devin Nunez report, um, which came out and they all called him a Russian agent because he basically said Russiagate was garbage and it was manufactured and it was, you know, tied to the Clinton campaign and didn't have any base in reality. And, and national news all across this country splattered him for that report, which we found out a few months ago. We finally got an, uh, an inspector general's report. It was 100 percent accurate. I mean, he everything he said was accurate. And even during this whole thing, 
Twitter executives were telling these guys in, in members of Congress, Dianne Feinstein, Adam Schiff, a bunch of others, Nadler, you know, it, it's the worst of the worst actors. Yes. But um, they're telling them, guys, this does not exist. There is nothing here. You're making yourselves look foolish. And yet they pr- they they move forward with this narrative, and it became the national narrative that there was Russia collusion. This Russia, is what Russia, led Russia. to the illegitimacy of the election of Donald Trump. There was yeah. a Washington Post story, nowhere else repeated, nowhere else reprinted, that came out on Monday. There was a study out of NYU. I don't know if you saw this. New York University did a study on the Russian bot influence on the election and found something Byron York has been saying, I've been saying, you've been saying um, – it reached 1% of voters, almost all of them already Trump voters, and they can find no vote at change. I was at a dinner party with Gary – I was seated next to Gary Kasparov, who was all about this. They had, we cleared the room and we had to be separated because I kept saying you cannot prove it changed one vote. No. And he kept talking about how it had to have changed votes. It didn't. It, his view of Russia is of a much more powerful institution yeah. than they really are. Yeah. Democrats have been trying to pound that drum. But I think we're seeing in Ukraine. I mean, honestly, the Ukraine battlefield is is actually a good analogy for Russian influence operations. Because yeah, sure. they're no better at fighting a war than they are at influencing an election. And we're seeing that up close and personal now. Sam Stone and I will be right back. With nowhere else to go, he turned up at the home of his longtime friend Oscar Madison, whose wife had also asked him to remove himself from his place of residence. Can two divorced men living together? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good, right? <laughs> I'm doing pretty well. Sam Stone is my guest. Let's bring things home a little bit locally, Sam. Uh, you are running for city council. Talk to us about an interesting story going on with the Wall Street Journal report. Yeah, so so a lot of folks may not be aware. Um, at the invitation of the mayor, yeah. there is a Department of Justice civil rights investigation of the Phoenix police going on. And when this happens, the DOJ comes in, and the real outcome is not to improve policing in your community. So that never happens. No, DOJ cities that are on there, city police forces that are under DOJ oversight rests, right? are like Seattle, Washington, Baltimore, Maryland, St. Louis. I mean, it's a list of the worst cities you leave. Yeah, yeah, the most worst, most dangerous cities. Where I mean. There's certainly at least as much police, you know, inequity or whatever you yeah. want to call it there as there is here or anywhere else. It's garbage. These these investigations more iniquity than inequity. Oh, far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and these investigations, the real outcome they intend from them is the DOJ will then come in and, and um, they will direct you that you have they they call it consent decrees. Yep. They will take your public tax dollars from your city and hand them to leftist activist groups in your in your city to promote their politics, right? And that's their way of apologizing for racial inequities that don't exist. It's garbage. And I'm pretty sure from what I've been hearing, the DOJ investigation of the city of Phoenix police has been going absolutely nowhere because quite frankly, nowhere to go. Well, every police department has its issues. The Phoenix police have been under a lot of scrutiny and they have taken significant steps to make sure they've gone too far, quite frankly, in making sure that they do not put themselves in a bad position or where they're treating someone inequitably. Um, So I think this investigation is going nowhere. And I believe that with the help of a uh, Wall Street Journal finance reporter, Dion Rabouin, um, I've seen some of his stuff on there before. And, you know, um, this guy, he's he's 
on air all the time. He's he's black, and, you know, um, but I've seen him every time I've ever seen him on air. He's dressed very nicely. So out of the blue, and he doesn't live in Phoenix, okay? So let's just start there. Out of the blue, this guy shows up in Phoenix, and he's outside of, a, I think it was a Bank of America or Chase, you know, one of the big one of banks. One of the big banks, yeah. And he's wearing dirty ten- tennis shoes and dirty shorts and a white T-shirt. He looks like a bum. And he's dressed like he is never dressed. Right. He's dressed like he's never dressed. And he's going up to people. He doesn't have a microphone. He doesn't have a camera. And he's going up to people, asking them questions about their bank outside of their bank. Okay. So he's looking like someone who is trying to case a joint or rob you. Yeah. Or, I mean, at least is like someone doing some really shady panhandling, you know. Um, And so the cops get called. And the bank says, we want this guy off our property. Yeah. Which is he's a nuisance. He's a nuisance. That's their right. right. I mean, if a business says we want you off your pro- off our property, they have that right. Now, the officer responds, and at that point, he approaches this Dion Rabouin and asks him to identify himself. And the guy says, "Oh, I'm a reporter," but he refuses to show his identification. Refuses to show his identification. So the cop is just like, "Listen, just show me your ID. I'm not going to write you a ticket. I'm just going to ask you to move on your way." But frankly, I mean, our policy requires them to get an identification in that situation um, because the bank has requested them to be trespassed. We have to have a report that has their name on it. So if there's another incident, yeah. then they, yeah, you know, how you build a right. File. That's how you build, have a record build a or a case. File. Right. Um, the officer appears to have followed policy and protocol. Exactly. I've talked to three different supervising officers in the Phoenix Police Department. Every one of them said some version of the officer in this case handled it per textbook. The case was investigated by our Professional Standards Bureau, and they determined the officer acted entirely within policy and procedure. Then, but when this guy was asked to leave and refused, the officer removed his wallet from his pocket, which he had a right to do because he has a right to arrest him at that point. He's detained. They're claiming somehow that's some sort of violation of his rights. Ah. And they're demanding an apology, which the mayor gave them yesterday. Of course. And I got to tell you, I do not believe that. I mean, if the mayor wants to apologize for anything in this situation, she can go ahead and apologize for the policies and procedures that she helped write and vote voted for. If she wants to do that, I don't think so. I don't think you should. But okay, that's on her. That's her political judgment. The officer acted 100 percent within the scope of his orders and the law. And when you come down on these guys men and women for doing for follow for doing their job appropriately that is the most pernicious damaging thing you can possibly do to our police in this city and the mayor has once again proven that every word she says about her support for police is a lie heather mcdonald talks about the ferguson effect in policing where the the case has been made so hard against the police officers trying to do their jobs and mostly by the book that they are now reticent and hesitant to go into dangerous situations to do that you and i are consumed with the issue that police uh, are discouraged from going into the ninth avenue and jefferson zone area it's to about to get that. much worse and now here. it's going to be banks it's it well it's not just this incident so at the same time what's going on behind the scenes is they're trying to pass a new police use of force guideline policy. Mm-hmm. 
it is a policy that will get our officers killed. I mean, literally, if you pass this policy, you better be buying them one heck of an insurance, life insurance policy alongside it, because this will end up with more dead cops. And so I think there's twofold to this incident. I think it was manufactured. I think Dion Sounds, I, it. Sounds I'm, it. I'm saying it right here. I think Dion Rabuane organized with somebody to create this incident, to create the publicity, to try to make the Phoenix police look bad when two things that are absolutely critical to their future are happening. One is this DOJ investigation has been going for a year and we're reaching the point where people are going to be expecting a report and some sort of you know, what is going to happen now? And secondly, where this use of force is, uh, policy is being changed so that anything now, a use of force incident, if an officer grabs your arm to control you, that has always been considered like if it, as long as they're not, you know, chokeholds no. or using something like that, simply like grabbing a hold of your heart, hand or arm is actually considered de-escalation because no. it allows them to control you without harming you. And, and that way they can ensure both your safety and their safety and the public safety. So they're changing that to be a use of force and police will be investigated simply for like putting a hand on someone's arm and moving them out of the street. Yeah. So you know? we just won't have police anymore. We'll have police in name only or police well, in uniform. I, I truly believe that our mayor would like to see the Phoenix police and all police across this country nationalized. Yeah. And largely because they want to spend the money we're spending on them and they figure if the federal government pays for it, they don't have to. I, I truly believe that's the cynical underlying motive behind this. As Shakespeare says you can't say it's the worst if you can say it's the worst. I'm Seth Leibson. He's Sam Stone. We'll come back with a final thought. If you are concerned about stock market volatility, why refi has an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that is not correlated to the stock market. You can turn your monthly income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you choose, and there is no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. This is a secure collateralized portfolio that delivers a high rate of return up to 10.25%. That's right, up to 10 and a quarter percent. YRefi is a due diligence approved firm, and you can check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or call them at 888 YRefi34. 888 YRefi34. Sam Stone's a fan, as am I, and many of you. We came in with the Mary Tyler Moore theme song, just fun piece of, uh, piece of um, trivia. That's written and performed by Sonny Curtis who was a drummer for Buddy Holly. He was a cricket. Oh, I didn't know that at that all. Fun? That is fantastic. Yeah. Anyway, Sam Stone has been our guest this hour. Thank you for coming in, Sam. He is running for city council here in District 6, which is from whence we broadcast. Samstone.vote. You get the last word. Yeah, folks, uh, obviously, if you're in Ahwatukee, Arcadia, Biltmore, a little bit of North Central, up even all the way into Sunny Slope, uh, you're going to be getting a ballot coming up here. It'll be dropping around February 15th. Uh, look. As Seth said, go on my you know go on my website. It's samstone.vote. You can find all my my information there. Uh, go on my social media at Sam LePaul on Twitter. I think it's samstone. Period thirty nine. Sam. Period stone. Period. I don't know. On Facebook, just look me up. It's a great Twitter feed, by the way. Let me give it again. Sam the Paul. P O L. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. A little tongue in cheek. Sam the politician. I'm not running away from it, folks. It is what I do. It is. Uh, but, or the Politico. Maybe it's yeah, Sam the, the Politico. Politico. Whatever yeah. you want. Whatever you want to call it. I, I just have a little fun with yeah. it. But you know, not go that on you're there. From Eastern Europe. 
And you know, you're going to see, I mean, there's a huge difference between my opponent and I in this race. There's an enormous difference. One of us is going there. Um, Kevin Robinson is going in there to beat Rubber Stamp Robinson and just sign off on everything Mayor Gallego wants. And one of us is going in there because he desperately cares about the city, the community that I've lived in for years. Um, you know, I have lived in it for years. My opponent's renting a house. He lives in Scottsdale. A judge let him get away with it, which is a travesty. But they did. Um, so... You know, look, the, this is a race, even if you don't love me, if you love you your city. Love you? How could they not love you, Sam? You're oh, a lovable guy. You know, ask my mom on, on some days. You know? I don't <laughs> Once know. you get elected, I will ask your mom. Now are you proud of him? <laughs> now are you? <laughs> it depends. It depends. Depends what else I did that day. Yeah, I suppose that's right. <laughs> Sam Stone, thank you, sir. And to all of you, thank you for letting us into your homes and your cars and your hearts and your minds. And your ears we take uh, none of it for granted we adore you and uh, appreciate you and until tomorrow i am seth leapson god bless you all class is dismissed three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost and covers the facts behind this scandal flynn told the truth he was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.